Well, here we are again, another episode in the Aussie Uber podcast, and I just want to say thanks to everybody that's sent me messages recently to say, when's the next episode coming out? Because there has been a delay of a couple of months, and it's been COVID-related, as I'm sure you can all appreciate. But back on now recording, which is fantastic. To all those people that have sent those messages, thank you. Thanks for your support. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Share it with all those people that you like. And another little update for everyone is that uh, the Instagram, it did get hacked three months ago, but we're back up. Aussie Uber, A-U-S-S-I-E-U-B-E-R. And you're not going to believe it, but I also have TikTok now with the same name. Apparently I've got to move with the times, and that's what I'm doing. So I hope you enjoy the next podcast, some incredible passenger stories. I look forward to seeing what path we go down with this next episode, so please enjoy. No problem, Christian. That's the next job is Damien. 25 degrees out there now. After a rather inclement start to the day. Don't know why we're driving so slow along here. You right there, Chevy? Going. All right, mate, yourself? Not too bad, thanks. Yeah, thanks. My feet don't bend real far. You're right, mate. I'll just be a second, sorry. Take your time, mate. Off to Ultimate Champion. Yes, please. I'll just turn around up here. Oh, yeah, that's fine, yeah. What have you done to yourself? I've got cancer. Oh, is that right, mate? Yeah. <laughs> just in the bone. Just, um... What did they do to fix that? Oh, I just had some chemo on radiation. Finished a couple of weeks ago, so... Alright, you'll be alright then. Yeah. How'd you find out about that? Um... Had an arthroscope on my knee. Yep. They thought I had an infection, and... Put me on antibiotics and then they clean the knee out. Doctor's like, yep, infection. It's infection, alright. It was a big one. Wow. <laughs> Rang me up about well, five days later. Um, my doctor's one of my best mates here at East Sydney, so he rang me up at one in the morning when he got back from the function. Said my test results come in, it was no good. Wow. So yeah, uh, Went over and had some scans and got into my bone marrow and started you know, eating away my patella, my kneecap. And yeah, then it started getting into my um, bloodstream a little bit. Uh, the cells, they had white and red markers, that's just a basic description of it. Yep. Um, I had a really high white count, so they hit it really hard. Thankfully, um, I'm a big fat slob, so I can take a fair bit of treatment. <laughs> Like, uh, like a skinny person can, and yeah. They smashed it? Yeah, they got it, um, but it's still, the markers aren't quite right, so it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like the cancer, it's dead. It's not dead, but it's dormant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and your, your good cells need to overpower it and strangle it from getting oxygen and, and firing up again. Yeah, so. right, wow. Yeah, it's... Um, so how much longer you got treatment for? I'll have a break now for two months, yep. and then I'll have some more tests. Um, 
and I just went over today to get me, me tablets and that. I'll take oral medication in the meantime. Then we'll have a look in two months and see how it goes. Yeah, right, well. Um, whether it's fired up again or not. What oral medication they give you? Uh, it's um, just supplementary to chemotherapy. Yeah. Um, just to get your blood and stuff right. It's nothing fancy. It's probably the whole lot of it's no good, actually, but I just take what I'm told in the end and I trust him. So. Yeah. Um, he looked after our daughter when she passed away. She, like, we had a daughter, she was nine, she had leukemia. And, uh, he was really good to us then and kept her alive for 168 days longer than what they told us. So Awesome, man. Yeah, he's a good bloke, really good bloke. How did you find out she had leukemia? Um, she had a cold, uh, like the, the flu sort of thing. Yeah. And with kids, like at her age, like she was seven at the time, and you just think, oh, you know, you got a cold, take a few days off school, and you look good. Wouldn't go away. She had this nagging cough, and um, her temperature just kept skyrocketing. And uh, we took her to see the doctor, and <laughs> dead set the emergency wards at the RPA and St Vincent said both like. Panadol, mate, aspirin, you'll be right, she'll be right. Take her home, give her some rest, and in the end I rang Rob up and I just said, look, something, I, I just know something that's not right. I don't know what it is, but I know something's not right. So he said, look, bring her over, and um, he said, I'll do some blood tests, and yeah, bang. In saying that, it wouldn't have made a difference if they found it earlier. Yeah. Um, he was very clear on that. So, oh, that must be tough, though. Uh, nearly killed me, yeah. yeah I, I nearly drank myself to death after that. Um, How long ago was that? Uh, that was about seven years now. Seven wow. years on Christmas Day. Wow, man. Yeah, she died on Christmas 25th of December, so yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was a shit go, and, and we've since had another child with a little bloke, he's three. And, there you go. Um, but yeah, it is it is the worst thing that can ever happen to you, I can assure you of that. The next 168 days, what did you do different? Uh, we didn't do anything different. We, the first specialist we saw, was, he said, look, I'll be surprised if she sees two months out. We'll, we'll make her comfortable on that. And then Rob, he rang me up and he said, look, I think you should go and see this other bloke. Yep. Um, over the, at the children's, Randwick Children's Hospital. And he said, he's very good with, very good oncologist, pedi pediatric oncologist. Yep. He said he's not going to be able to save her. He was clear on that. He said, but he might be able to give her a bit know, more extra give time. Her a little bit more time, and he did. Um, she had a bone marrow transplant, and um, you know things like that. And it was good. The last oh, about 40 days, though, she she was just in bed, gone, and we just laid there with her. And there on, on Christmas Day, she just yeah, looks up and she's like, oh, I've got to go. Is that right? Yeah. So she yeah. knew her time was done? Oh, I thought she meant she had to go to the bathroom. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, she just, Sarah was on the other side, she just said, no, I've got to go. I said, yeah, no worries, and I got off the bed and turned around, and her eyes were shut, <laughs> she's gone. And they had a DNR there, so they, they don't resuscitate them. Um, Why is that? Uh, when they're terminal like that, it's, it becomes an ethical issue. Right. Do they want to prolong their... Suffering. Pain and agony by resuscitating them and putting them through it again. Um, I suppose selfishly though, you'd say to yourself, "I got really angry. I was like, let's get, get let's that do it. shit out now and yeah. get it going." But do you understand now? I absolutely, and, and I, I was wrong. I was 100 percent wrong. Yeah, mate. That's you know, and I, and I, I 
since contacted the hospital after that, like a couple of years after that, and tracked the people down, the nurses that were on, and I apologised. And They would have seen it before though, mate. Yep. They, they, they know as a parent that your best interest is trying to get your daughter 100%. another day. The, the doctor I spoke to, he, he said, I don't need no apologies. He said, he said, if I was you, I'd have done exactly the same thing. Yeah. He said, but I had a job to do. He said, and bringing her back was only going to make more pain. So. And they know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. But when your daughter's nine, it's not easy to let them go. Just even though we had time to prepare and that, but when it actually happens. What does that do for Christmas for you now? Do you still uh, celebrate Christmas? We do, but it's, it's always there. Yeah, like of course of, it is. You know, it's there and we try. Sarah and I made a, a concerted effort a couple of years ago for little bloke Henry to not suffer because of that. I want him to have a normal Christmas and that, but it's not easy. It's still there, isn't it? Yeah. Just, I drank myself stupid, mate. I was alcoholic for ages, and already had trouble with being an alcoholic before that. So um, I just couldn't give a shit. I was like, just take me. I'm ready to go. I'll go and join her. No problems at all. What brought you back? Um, one of my mates come down, and he, um, we were like we were ultimately in the apartment, and he just Sarah gave him the key because I we separated for a while because I just couldn't speak to him. Um, and one of my mates come in and he had a picture of uh, Mackenzie, our daughter. A big blown up picture and I was on the bed, drunk as a skunk. And he got a nail on a hammer and he just nailed it into the side, didn't say anything, he nailed it into the wall. He said, yeah, you're doing her proud, aren't you? And he walked out. I'm like, fuck, I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, I didn't take the picture down and he sent me a message. He said, do you really think she wants you sitting here drinking yourself to death? Do you drink now? Don't touch it. There you go, man. That's awesome. Don't touch it. Don't nothing. No beer, wine, nothing. Nothing. No, you're 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 a, you're a true gentleman. So you know, it's just sometimes you need that slap in the face, though. Yeah, yeah. He stuffed me wall and that, but he just come in, nailed it. Said, Who cares about a wall, man? Yeah, he's like, you're doing her proud, aren't you? And wow. He just walked out. And your young fella's all right? Yeah, yeah. He's good. Um, he's autistic, but you know, he's um, uh, he, he's healthy. No, no dramas. He's a little, little brain man. So, so you went when you separated from your missus. We didn't separate. Well, you we just took some time apart. Yeah, I didn't want to see her. So yeah. I said, look, I'll move out. She said, no. She said, you'll kill yourself if you, you know, you'll just go pub to pub and you'll not find you in the gutter. She said, I'll, I'll go if you need that time. Um, How long were you guys like that for? Uh, nearly a year. Yeah, right. Yeah, what, yeah. what, what made her come back? After that, I pulled my game up, uh, went and tipped everything down the sink. Yeah, nice one. Uh, went to the cemetery, uh, made a vow that I wouldn't touch it again, and pulled my head in, wake up to myself. I told her that, and uh, my daughter it is. And you haven't let her down? Yep, come in and rang Sarah, and I said, okay, enough's enough, so, you know. And, and it took her a little bit of time. She's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll come back. And she did a week later um, move back in and that, but took a bit of time to build some trust and I got really bad, really low. Like, I don't blame you, mate, but I mean, I, I commend you. Mm. Well, there's nothing no, there's nothing greater than coming back from a dark place. Yeah, it's, and that's the darkest, mate, I'm telling you. Like, I, I've seen some shitty things and done some shitty things, but people don't, you know, we'd have people ring up and say, oh, I can only imagine what you're going through. And I'm no, thinking, you can't. Yeah, no, you've got no one you trust me on that. And they don't, I don't chop anyone about it because they don't understand themselves what they're saying. Yeah. Right? And I know that they're coming from a good place, their heart's in the right place, and 
you know, they're not trying to be smart or anything, but when you turn around and your daughter's like, I've got to go, and then she's gone, and you're just laying there, it's, it's like someone just ripped your heart out of your chest. How often do you visit the uh, cemetery? Uh, we go every week. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah, every Sunday you go down, so, um, you know, if we both can't go, someone is always there. Um, what do you say to her? We just tell her what's going on in our lives and tell her what's going on with the brother because yeah. um, she would have loved him to death and you know we just like she's sitting there um, what everything that's going on we don't we don't make it a sad thing it's not you know that's it with tears or anything it's all a happy visit and, do you get sad at times though oh yeah absolutely mate. Yeah. And i'm on my own and oh, i've got time to think about it that absolutely sucks to no end i can tell you that much yeah i get it um, when you when you think it through but Look, at the end of the day, i got the young bloke now, and she would want nothing but good things for him and, and us to look after him, so... What was it like when he came came along? Yeah, that was really hard, mate. Surprisingly, I was looking forward to it, and I saw it, you know, not as a replacement. I've never looked at it that way. Yeah. Just as another chance in that, but it took me some time to warm to him. Really? Yeah, and I was really disappointed in myself for that, too. It took me about six weeks to sort of really be a proper father, like... I looked at him and I saw her because he looks just like her. Oh, is that right? Yeah, well, my wife's Malaysian, Australian-Malaysian, so yep. um, when she finished work at the Commonwealth Bank and had Mackenzie and then she went back to work and then she had Henry, it's like we just did it all over again and she had the, the male version of Mackenzie. Like, Henry just looks just like her. It's, That's got to be a good thing, though, mate. Yeah, it is, but you can, mate, if you've seen them, like, honestly, they just... It's like they're twins at the yeah. same age. They look exactly the same. So I look at him now and, you know, I, I just think he's just carrying his sister around with him. So There you go, mate. That's, it's just, it's, that's an adjustment, mate. You know, you just people think they can handle these sort of things, but until you actually go through it, you don't know what you're going to do. And that I'd, hate to go, I'd, I'd hate for my kids to go before me. Oh, mate, honestly, it's not meant to be. That's not how it's meant to be. So. No. Whereabouts do you want me uh, to Can you go up to Quarry Lane, mate? I'll get out in that. That's yeah, just up this lane here. Of course, mate, of course. And, and that's more, that building here. Yep. I'll go in that side door. Just this one here? past that tap there. Yeah, just here. Gotcha, mate. Excellent. Well, mate, all the best, champion. I appreciate it, Christian. Mate, thank you. You have a great day. Yeah, you too, buddy. Mate, you're a champion, bloke. Thank you very much. I appreciate right. the chat. No, mate, all good, mate. All good. See you, matey. Take your time. All right, buddy. Good luck with everything, yeah? Yeah, you too, buddy. Thanks See you, much. boss. Cheers, yeah, mate. Well, fuck, i got nothing to complain about. Good bloke, uh, good bloke, Damien. Bloke indeed. So I just got Damien's consent. I just reversed up because strangely enough where I dropped him off, the next bloody, it's unbelievable. The next street is Henry and that's what he's named his lad. And I just reversed up and just said, mate, do you mind about me recording that conversation? He said, no, mate. And, um... Bloody hell. I've got two amazing kids. And he's he's got two, one in memory, and one that's now with him and his wife. 
you just want people to have the best, you know. I'm a shit bloke at times. And I'm a shit bloke in all the wrong ways. When I look at people like him. I just think he's got he deserves every every chance, that bloke. I wish him all the best with his uh, with his treatment on his cancer. His daughter had leukemia and passed away on Christmas Day. The age of nine. He was he was awesome. When I reversed up, then I just I wound down the window and said, "Mate, I hope you don't mind." And I didn't get a chance to let you know that I was recording. And he said, "Mate, no no dramas." Shook his hand and pointed out Henry Avenue. He knew. He knew. Wow. And we got it good sometimes. So next job this afternoon is Brian. A great day. It'd be nice if Brian was going towards Bondi 16 minutes. It's a short trip, but a good one. This will take me to Platinum. Platinum Uber driver. Wow. Just another level of excellence from an Uber driver's perspective. Now, where's Brian? There's a few people around here. What's going on? PQ. Oh, I reckon that's him up there with a the cap. You can spot him a mile away. He looks pretty hip. Maybe he's a Newtown type. We're about to find out. Here you are, champion. You jump in Aussie Uber. How are you, Brian? Howdy. How's things, mate? Not too bad, mate. Yourself? Awesome, thanks, boss. A bit of hand sanitizer in the back there for you. Thank you, sir. Just to let you know, the microphone in the middle is me recording for my podcast. Perfect. <laughs> so I hope you don't mind. That's right, mate. What have you been up to today? Uh, just went and got a leg checked out. Old uh, sporting injury. Yeah, you look like you had a bit of a limp. Yeah. What was all that about? Uh, just, um, I've got uh, tendonitis in my uh, hamstrings. I've so, um, a bit of a, uh, uh, legacy? Yeah, legacy. I had to deal with it sometime. Now, when did you play for South? Uh, I came down from Toowoomba in 2000 and, uh, 1999, no, 1998 season. That was the off season for the 99 season. Yep. And then played two seasons before we got kicked out of the comp. I remember we got kicked out, South got kicked out. And then, um, I went to France and England for a couple of seasons whilst they got... Whilst the South Sydney won that court case, and then when they won the court case, got brought back to Sydney. So. How many years you played then? Uh, 2007 was my last year. 2006 was my last season. Then I played. I played a year at the the Coogee Wombats captain coach. Is that right? Yeah, I always always knew that I wanted to go back and just play Coogee Wombats one last time, you know, and just and just back to club level and give you know look after a few young kids coming through. So it was a it was a good uh, good chance to go back and. We made the grand final against La Perouse that year, so it was a good way to go out. Go out. Did you win? Uh, no, we lost uh, eight six. Oh jeez, small, small, small score. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, it was an eight, eight six. I think we missed about four goals that day. So, oh. um, mate, why did you give up? Uh, I was retired. At, retired at twenty seven, which is pretty young. I still had a couple of years to run on my contract, but um, I'd started a business at that stage. I was a, I was in construction engineering, so. Yep. I, my old man made me finish my apprenticeship, get into building, get my building license before he let me come to Sydney. Thank God he did. Um, I then um, 
I was started a sort of a property maintenance business down here and it was starting to really take off. So I was cross between being a fringe first grader, reserve grader, on okay money, and this business was taken off. So 40 hours worth of playing footy and 40 hours worth of, um, of trying to run a business. At some point I, I realized that you know my next contract's my last one or if I give up early I can really sort of parlay it into business and thank God I did. Um, you know I can't I run a business now that's um, Manage uh, natural disasters, and uh, this sounds going to sound crazy, but I manage natural disasters um, for insurance companies. So, and I do that across. Um, I built a business, uh, started the business when I was playing footy, uh, finished in 2007, um, fell inside of the insurance related rectifications for properties. So, when properties get damaged and they're insured, I fix them. Yep. Um, I built a technology that helped me do that in 2007, and in 2010, some insurance companies bought that technology from me and wow. said, hey, listen, we'd love to manage our process like you do. And I said, well, you can't, because this is an internal piece of IP. I need to step it out. So 2012, we decided to put some money together and probably the last of my football money, and we commercialized this technology, sold it to a few, a few insurers, and then um, attracted some interest from um, Macquarie Capital, um, Macquarie Bank, and they ended up becoming a quite large shareholder Oh, that's awesome. Help me turbocharge that story. So I'm currently based out of, we've got offices in Jacksonville, Florida, um, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and Auckland, New Zealand, and we run a pretty big business out of Australia. So this Mate, is congratulations. $154 million revenue business at the moment. So Get away. No, no, no. It's a, it's a crazy story from a, from, a, from, a, from a part-time sort of reserve grade football player to, that had an idea around how to better manage insurance claims for insurance companies. Um, Are you nailing it? Yeah, it was good, mate. It was, it, mate, because that that, is... In hindsight, it was, you know, I, I regretted giving up too early for about three or four of the first years when you're still sort of young enough or you think you can still play. Do I make a company? To then the business just took, took over. And I think that's where the next competitive focus sort of, that was the next competitive thing for me. So I sort of used that outlet of um, the business world to be sort of somewhat competitive and play in the landscape of, say, professional sport and the way in which I built teams, and you know, I wasn't the smartest bloke in the in the boardroom, but no one could build a team, no one could build camaraderie, no one could build that bonding experience. No one, people really wanted to come work for us because that's the essence of that professional sporting environment that I created in the business world. That's and, awesome. Yeah, it's been good, man. It's that been is good awesome, journey. mate. When you're playing footy, yep. What did you ever win a flag? Uh, yeah, we uh, we were very fortunate. Um, I won six grand finals in a total. Won six grand finals in my whole five professional career. So, um, semi-professional out of Queensland, Intrust Cup. From the time I kicked off to all the way through to um, finishing my career, I'd won six grand finals. But I actually grew up playing AFL, because um, obviously I grew up in Adelaide. Yeah, Tea Tree Gully, I yeah, mean. Tea Tree Gully, yeah. So, I, who did you play for, Tea Tree Gully? Yeah, I was playing for Tea Tree Gully. I played so, for, how, how I played old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I've just turned 44. Okay, I'm a bit older than you. Yeah, so I played, I ended up getting an opportunity to play with the Norwood Redlegs. Yeah, um, so, the parade there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate, because so, the Norwood Hotel on a Friday was <laughs> no better well, place. Well, I was only a pup back then, so this, 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 <laughs> okay. this is under 14s, under 15. So. Well, at that age, I was. I was probably well, in the pub celebrating. If you're going up the teaching gully, you're almost there. <laughs> the gully like, hotel and that's all that it. sort of thing. So, so a mate of mine, uh, a guy called Steve Moy, used to own the Rocks, the venue, and the Belair oh, Hotel, and all okay. those sort of places. Yeah, but right. um, God, it's a small world. Yeah, so I was. I ended up, being, I ended up uh, moving to Queensland when I was 16 year old. My old man, I went down to the Brisbane Bears when the Brisbane Bears. Oh were God, the Brisbane back Bears in the day. Then, yeah, and because I, I didn't know how to play rugby league and. 
my old man grew up in Queensland, he was a leaguey, but we, we grew up in AFL territory, so um, we, he then moved us out to Toowoomba, where I grew up, and you know, going back and forth to Brisbane three times a week, two hours each way, he just said to me, he said, I can't do it anymore, you're going to have to play another sport, and at that stage I just made the Teal Cup, with, for, for, yeah. which is a big deal in Queensland, but Bloody it's a huge deal obviously out, out everywhere. And, um, and I just signed on to be in the um, in, a, in the sponsors program for the Brisbane Bears. So you know, I thought my career was in that. Just made was just played for Queensland uh, under sixteen schoolboys um, in AFL. And he just hears my old man saying, "You got to quit. Can't do any more. Play another sport." I said, "Dad, what the fuck am I going to do?" I said, I, "He said, well, you're you're a bigger kid. You can kick and catch both feet. And, you know, try try league." Anyway, that was when I was seventeen and uh, nineteen. Um, I was in Brisbane. Playing semi-professional at 21, I was on my way to Sydney. Uh, what was the transition from AFL to rugby yeah, league like that? It was because I was a pretty big kid, um, and I used to play centre half forward and, and ruck rover and all those. So I, was, I, was, I used to play around the middle. Yeah. And I always say this, and I've got my young boy actually playing AFL right now. He plays union for Scots for school, but he, but he's in, he's in the league. And he said, "Dad, why do you why are you insisting on playing AFL?" I said, "Son." I could have my time over again and my older self could tell my younger self the game the 360 degree game and the 360 degree awareness of stuff you can't see peripherally like yep. a league is a 180 degree sport you only, it's only got to play what's in front of you as you know everything around the 360 degree game your instinct your ability to pick up pick up ball, balls off your boot laces That's you know, kick and catch both feet your ball skills are better the timing of picking up a ball and having a handball in you'll traffic, take that into a rugby league the, the, or rugby your union, whatever, set, yeah. skill sets are so much sharper. Like, as you're so much aware. As opposed to the big robotic collision impact type game, you know, that's all about strength and power. Yeah. But, but you know, if you can grow up with those skills and you then somewhat grow up into a big kid, you bring strength and power with sort of that finesse and speed and the ability to sort of register what to do next a lot quicker as AFL teaches you. I just think it's a great grounding and it's, it certainly yeah. was for me. Mate, that's a great, that's a, a great way to look at it. I really really applaud that. Yeah. Um, do you still catch up with all your, your rugby mates? Yeah, we, uh, we just had a, uh, the most significant year was 1999 when we got kicked out, so we, that, that, that team that year really bonded well because we knew halfway through the season we had no club to go to and we were sitting third on the ladder, which was crazy at the time, um, and all of us were told, I remember all of us were told um, that we're going to be kicked out in the Super League war and no one's got a club to go to. I mean, some of us, we were kids. I mean, I had a, I had a contract that was back then. It was worth $100,000. And I mean, I know, it doesn't sound like a lot no, of these No, mate, that's serious money, though, then. Pup, when you're a yeah. pup and you just finish your apprenticeship and someone's giving you hundred grand, to, And I, had, I, I was fortunate. I always worked. My old man always made me work whilst I was in Sydney as well. He said, don't get carried away because he said, too much time on your hands. Someone like my personality will get themselves into trouble. So he Did he was, make you put money away? Yeah, he made me put money away. Yeah, was it, was a smart thing, it, was, it was actually the thing that funded my business. Yeah, um, you were saying up until yeah, 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 it was the thing that I mean, I, I, I banked and saved because he used to always say, he said, don't forget about the six or seven years that you think you're going to play footy for. I mean, I first turned up to Sydney in a Hilux. You drove to South Sydney Juniors and met my coach and thought I was going to play ten years and end up in the Channel Nine commentary footy job uh, on the footy show. That was my sort of silly. Um, vision back then, my old man just kicked me in the ass after two years and South got kicked out, he said I told you, stick to working he said, use football as a door opener, use it for networking he said, every business owner will be due, due to football will at least give you a conversation, so if you've got a good product to sell, such as your services business you know, knock on the doors and mate, some of the best advice, I mean I, I, didn't, I didn't listen to him too much in my, in my life but some of the things I did listen to, I think I they pay dividends, yeah, yeah. Mate, that's awesome 
I saw three of the lads. I played in the grand final here in 2004. Um, well, I was going to play for UTS okay, right. against Sydney Uni, the, yeah. the nemesis. Yeah. And we played in the grand final. And I'll tell you, I had a bit of a day out. Uh, but I saw a couple of lads at North Bondi, RSL, okay. just two weekends ago. And I was sitting there just having a couple of beers. I was like, rabbit, bigs, and like, bakes. I was like, mate, what? It just, like, you just... There, like, time doesn't forget, eh? Um, what position do you play? Mate, I, back at that point there, I was 33, um, playing full forward. Okay, right. And people couldn't get past me. It was yeah, just... Gotcha. I kicked 6-1 in the prelim, 6-1 in the semi. And on the grand final day, we get to the Trumper Oval and the coach says, Ryan, right, Brian, what are you going to do today on the bus? Well, Brian says, well, I'm going to get up three smothers and two goals. Good on you, Brian. Goes around the whole bus, gets to me, and I'm at the back of the bus just living at large. You didn't say you're going to kick 10. And I said, no, I said, um, mate, you're going to find that very funny in a second. I said, no, today's ladder, it's all about BOG. Best on ground for me. That's it. And two and a half hours later, I kicked 10 straight in the grand oh, final. I got best on ground. Best on ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. Seriously, mate, ten That's straight. Fucking outstanding. It hadn't been done before. Get so out. The guy, and here's a little kick to that as well. I picked up a guy. This is 17 years ago now. I picked up a guy four weeks ago, and he gets in the car, and I said, "Mate, what do you do?" He said, oh, "I'm a bit of an AFL fan." I said, "I've got Fitzy coming in soon," and he said, "Right." We said, "I I follow GWS, and five of my mates follow GWS, and uh, we do a podcast post GWS game." He's going to be laughing. <laughs> And he says to me, he says, um, so how do you, how, how are you involved in football? So I played for UTS under a guy called Roger Moton. Roger's now the coach of GWS Girls. Gotcha, gotcha. Roger Moton's a South Australian lad as well, played gotcha. at St. Peter's. Okay. Ross Trevor, one of those two, I can't remember. Anyway, I said, so I played under Roger Moton. He said, so did I at Sydney Uni. I said, well, that must have been after he left us at UTS. I said, funny story about UTS. I said, I had a bit of a day out in 2004. And this guy said, what do you mean you had a bit of a day out? I said, we played in the grand final way out west. And I kicked 10 straight. He said, mate, you're not going to fucking believe this. But one of the six mates that he does this with was one of the, the guy that I kicked 10 on. <laughs> and they still give him grief about having 10 goals kicked on the grand final. Um, it was just... Mate, I, surely after six and seven, you're thinking about hooking the fullback, aren't you? Oh, mate. It, I mean, I, but my last kick of the game, the 10th goal, was the very last kick of the game. And I pushed this young fella away. Just snapped it and it bounced at right angles four or five times and bounced over the line as the siren was going. Oh, I lost my shit. <laughs> what did you win by that day? You Ten goals. Sixty. Oh, mate, we won by sixty points. God. We won by I was sixty say, points. You're not, not since Gary Ablett has someone kicked that many goals in a losing grand final. Oh, mate, it was. Lost that grand final. It, Brian, it was unbelievable. It was a day out. It was just. And I've had some good results in footy. I'm sure you've had great results in sport, but it was just one of those days yeah. where everything came yeah, together. Magic moment for you. Just it and, was, and, mate. And what better way? What better stage? What better way to do it? Uh, than a grand final. Oh mate, please. Hey. And uh, again, and not, not, not notwithstanding just the grand final, then you take uh, you take best on you take best, best on, on ground, ground slip, which is arguably bragging rights for you for eternity. I woke up with a football, the match ball, because that was the best on ground football. <laughs> which day did you wake up? Oh, I'm not sure, mate. Later. Let's not worry about that. That's semantics, mate. Let's not worry about that. That's, those are minor details. <laughs> awesome mate, to meet you. Outstanding. See you, boss. See you, Have a great night. You too, mate. <laughs> that is great. Thank you, champion. That was Brian. That's a great story. House, house, just six degrees. Fucking hell. I love this job. I literally love this job. And to that, another point to that is that Brian has just made me become the platinum driver because I've hit 1,800 points for the three months. So just a, a, great, a great way. <laughs> oh, I love this job. 
Give me a better job, I, I ask you. I beg you. Maybe that'll happen, Dom, when I come to work for Uber. But right now, man, it's all about this. Great story. Thank you, Brian. That was a great crack, mate. Well, that's the end of another episode. And I can honestly say I really love what I do. I get to meet the most amazing people with the most incredible stories who are willing to share theirs for your enjoyment. Now, to all those people that have subscribed, please share with everybody else, friends, family, rate and review because I do get a lot out of those reviews. I'm also still learning. But as the episodes are increasing in volume, I can say I'm having an absolute ball while I do this. To those people that have also donated via the Patreon page, ever so grateful. Those That money does go back in to the running of this podcast. And I look forward to sharing next time. Stay safe. Remember, we only live once and life's too short, so enjoy every single day. Thanks again.